So I feel like we have so much to talk about. I know. Like, for example, you love cooking and food. Yes, and you know I was a huge fan of yours when you were in New York on your book. That's so nice. It was great. I loved yeah. it so much. I remember wanting to write to you when your saran wrap melted. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. I used to make those all... I have a lot of dinners mm-hmm. and a lot of... Um, not parties, but I'll explain in a minute. But um, I had... I I sort of discovered all of you at the same time. Oh, all the you, food bloggers. All the food bloggers, yeah. like 101 cookbooks and mm-hmm. things like that. But I remember seeing you with the Suzanne Goen mm-hmm. short ribs, oh, yeah. and which I made all the time. And I had asked a chef about that, and she said, it's fine if it melts. It's just going to the side. It's not really melting. Oh, the plastic like, wrap? Yeah, it's not melting But we in. should say, in case people didn't see it, but I made this dish where, I think it was Suzanne going, it was Suzanne going, but it said to lay a layer of saran wrap on top of the meat and then put the lid on and put it in the no, oven. No, and then tinfoil. And tinfoil, right. Which is very chef And I had an old friend who was my old roommate who didn't trust my cooking coming over, and then when I lifted the lid, all the plastic right. had melted into the food. It has not melted into the food, is what I'm telling you. It had melted <laughs> into itself on the side. Like, it doesn't, it's not in the food. It's on the side. So that's intentional. It's like, like that was meant no, to No, it's happen. not intentional. Like right. sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. I think it's based on your saran wrap, I'm guessing. Right, because I got some emails from people that said restaurant quality. Yeah, saran yeah. Saran wrap maybe exactly. wouldn't have melted. Okay. Yeah. So I could have eaten it. I think you could have. Oh, okay. But you could also be dead now because of me. <laughs> right. I mean, that was one of my all-time disasters right. I've, I've ever had, so... Um, but are you, you're like oh, a, that's from Sunday Supper, Suzanne Goen. If yeah. you're interested, it's like such a home run, and you really don't know have to have to know how to cook, and it's a oh people pleaser, and you can't overcook it. It's really that's why I love braising because me you too. braise something, you can literally leave it in the oven for hours yes. and hours, and it just gets better and yeah. better and better. Um, so now I, I follow you on Instagram. Yes. I'm a huge fan, I should say, of yours. Oh, you. And it just seems like you have the most wonderful dinner parties. We do. It, we have a lot of dinner parties, but. More than that, we have um, every Sunday at about 4 p.m., we have a group of friends over. Okay. And it varies between, like, I want to say 6 and 12. Mm-hmm. And we make, everyone comes over at 4, and we make a big meal, and in the summer we swim, and then everyone's home by 8. That's amazing. It's amazing. And are you Lots somebody, of day drinking. Oh, that, now, do you, are you, it sounds like what you're describing is the kind of cook I aspire to be, which uh-huh. is sort of just like people are floating in the pool and you're just throwing yes. something on the stove yes. and you're casual about it. Yes. But is that, a, is it true? I mean, are you truly like not worried about what people think about how the food's going to no, be? No, of course. I'm you're worried. So worried. So you're, you're able to kind of balance. This sounds like a good, well, uh, yeah. The thing is, is that I... I read an article a million years ago in the New York Times that was like how to cook without recipes. Mm -hmm. And I had always collected cookbooks, like starting in my maybe late 20s. And so, but I actually think I read that maybe like when I was 24. So maybe I started then. But the woman said, and I have no idea who this is. I apologize. (laughs) I hate forgetting a byline. But um, the woman said... That she was with, she was away, I don't know if this is boring, but she said that she was away for the weekend with a friend from France, of course, Mm -hmm. and um, that friend just like, there wasn't that much food, there was stuff in the pantry, um, like left from the last renters or whatever, and she just like threw together the salad and put in what she saw and Mm -hmm. walnuts and whatever, and her friend, and the woman who was writing said, you know, I'm so... Like, uh, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could be right. free. 
and do that. And she said the way she's learned to do that is by reading cookbooks, mm-hmm. which I always do. Like, I read them like books. I put them next to my bed oh, yeah. when I get them and read them like books. And then you sort of organically and in your mind start realizing, oh, almost all beef stew starts with cubes dusted in Flowers, flour and browning them mm-hmm. and putting them in and putting a liquid on and putting vegetables mm-hmm. in. And so then you can begin to do that. But honestly, I just made this salmon last week. I also love recipes, and mm-hmm. I love following recipes. So I made this salmon last week that is an Allison Rosen, who's my new favorite person. She's the New York Times oh, Bon Allison Appetit. Roman. Roman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Right. Allison Rosen, I believe, is a podcaster, oh, cool. who I like a lot, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it was, have you seen her citrus salmon? I have seen that, right? It's, and it's, it's so great. And she has a lot of options. You can change it up. I love which her I love. recipes because she sort of has this um, cozy, comforting thing, but also like a little shock of excitement. Yes, it's not exactly, boring. Yeah. exactly. Um, and she's so funny. Yeah. So her tutorials are really fun. That's and great. Carla Lolly, who wrote, um, oh my god, Where your food friendship begins. with her is yes. like hashtag it's, gold it's for me. It's twenty. Yeah. It's twenty years ago. Uh, how did if you not meet, more? How do you know her? She was the girlfriend and is now the wife of. There's this family called the Musics in Los Angeles. Okay. You know them, Roz and Leilani. Usually someone knows one of them. No. Fernando, they live in New York now, but Fernando and Carla, I know the whole family, and Fernando and Carla um, were dating forever. Okay. And so I've known her forever. And since before she was, since she was, she managed the original Shake Shack. Oh, did she really? Yeah. I mean, her presence and her, I mean, celebrity now, I mean, yeah. I find it so inspiring. I just want to be around her. She's so, she's exactly that person. She's, she's kind of like, like the new Ina in a way. Exactly. Yeah. She's the modern Ina. Yeah. No offense, Ina. No, still yours, your recipe. Ina will always be Ina. Yeah. Carla is becoming an Ina. Totally. Yeah. And the thing is, that book that I'm so obsessed with, yes, and I'm beautiful. so glad you got, yeah. is every recipe has a way to twist it. So mm-hmm. you're using this grain, use this grain or this grain or this grain. You're using this meat or this meat or this meat. And it always gives you all these options, mm-hmm. which is perfect for me because it's a loose recipe. Yeah. And um, I've always found her just so warm and approachable. And she's really authentic. That's who she is. So when you have people over on a Sunday coming in at 4 o'clock, yes. do you go like massive, do you go for a huge food shopping trip? You yeah, just, you usually. I mean, stuff? you know, it depends how many people are coming. But what I, I'm like not a four-dish dinner per really? like I'm like I do always do the same salad which is um I put a clove of garlic whole into the bottom, bottom of a salad bowl okay and then I do half a le- oh, cover it with salt okay like I guess a teaspoon maybe maybe mm-hmm. more and then you take a fork and you use the salt as the abrasive to smush the garlic ah, into a paste. Clever. In the bowl. In the bowl. And then you do half a lemon. It's like the old school restaurants that would make a Caesar yes, salad Yes, exactly. The table. Exactly. Yeah. But it's so fast. Mm-hmm. And then you do half a lemon. And then I usually do some kind of like butter lettuce or little gem, arugula. Basically, that's a staple at my house every single week. And olive oil, of course. Yes, sorry. (laughs) But you put the olive oil in that mixture right right on top. So it emulsifies a little bit. For those at home, Adam just did an olive oil thing that made me think he, like a pantomime that made me think he was pouring it on after. I don't know why. Oh, I don't even know what I did. That was an unconscious, wow. I feel like now I'm being therapized. Yes, exactly. On my own oh, I'll therapy. turn it back Yeah, on turn you. it around. See. Well, that's a good segue, actually. So, I mean, as I was just telling you as you arrived, the yes. premise of this podcast is that every guest has lunch. They don't tell me what they had for yes. lunch. And they come on 
and then they reveal what they had for lunch, and then we spend 50 minutes exploring and analyzing that lunch as a, as a metaphor for the, who the person for is. For who I am. So I feel like this is the moment to ask Jenny. Well, this is the moment for a big confession. What did you have for lunch? No, it's not what I had for lunch. It's that I don't like lunch. Okay. You know, I think I've been in too many writers' room and shaken too many salad boxes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, I feel like, you know how the writers' room always gets so tired after? There's this lull after lunch where mm-hmm. you're like sitting around and no one has any thoughts because you're all like in a food coma. Totally. So I tend to eat very light, light lunches and I tend to, um, I tend to eat very light lunches and I tend to skip lunch sometimes. Yeah, so I get that. I don't like breakfast either. And by the way, there's no judgment here yes. on the lunch okay, therapy right. podcast. You're a therapist, Yeah, yeah. Course. I'm yeah. just here to hear your hear about your lunch yes. and what went into it. And, and so, so, for example, today, how much of the fact that you were coming on this podcast influenced your choice to have lunch? That completely influenced my choice okay. to have lunch. I don't know why. Today, I just wasn't hungry at lunch. But, you know, I hate to have lunch meetings, too. Mm-hmm. I think they just, like, break apart your day if you're trying to write. Yeah. So And watching somebody eat is kind of gross. No, I love watching someone eat. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I like watch people eat except when they eat yogurt. I think that's disgusting. That's what I had for lunch. Oh, you, no. Yes. You just ate a, a thing of yogurt? No, I take a Greek yogurt. Okay. Now um, I feel terrible. I'm a terrible therapist. I don't care. <laughs> I take... Now there is judgment, though. I didn't, I take mean, I didn't thing, know you had yogurt. I take a thing of yogurt, <laughs> yeah. and I put tomatoes on it, in, and... Um, Greek yogurt? Yeah, Greek yogurt. You can do any percentage. Okay. And I put a thing, uh, I open it, and I put either tomatoes or cucumber in it, mm-hmm. basil or some herb if I have it. Are we cubing the tomatoes? Or? Yeah, okay. basically cubing both. Okay. So this is sort of like almost like a tzatziki kind of? Yeah, okay. kind of. Um, and then, but you can put in as much of everything as you want to mm-hmm. find your balance. And then I do salt and pepper mm-hmm. and um, olive oil. Great. And it's the most delicious lunch, and it doesn't slow down your day. Which is, yeah, you were starting to say that that's your issue with lunch, is that it slows you down. So as a therapist, my first um, thought hearing that is that not slowing down is important to you, that you want to keep going. Well, just, yeah, I think at least with writing, um, you know, it's such a struggle that Mm -hmm. when I've started and I'm in a groove, the idea of stopping is unbearable because mm-hmm. it's so hard to get started. Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. And I I like my little rituals when I write. Yeah. But food, I mean, to me, lunch is the, like, shining light at the end of the tunnel yes. of my morning writing session. Well, it definitely was <clears throat> in, in a writer's room yes. when you have no control over it. Like, in... Sometimes in camping and girls, we would go, we would push till two or mm-hmm. three which may have made people unhappy, but they pretended like it was fine, and then order lunch. Wow. And is there and a little then, bit of, um, when you're in charge and you're the one saying, hey, guys, we're going to wait till two or three, yeah. do you, is there a little like illicit thrill and kind of like dangling that carrot in front of everyone? <laughs> I didn't think of that, but I'm, that was never part of it. It was just me hating lunch and the yeah. slowdown, but um, that does make sense, yeah. doctor. I'm a little like sadistic, sort yeah. of like, sorry, guys, not yeah, having food exactly. yet. Yeah. No, I would ask them, but right. at least they would have the carrot. Was the girls' room... Oh, so there are more snacks yes. than anyone needs in their whole life in oh writer's rooms. I remember when I was in a writer's room, there were these little um, Reese's peanut butter cup, like, but mini ones. Yes. And I would savor the... I would put, like, three in front of me, and yeah. that would last the whole afternoon. That's amazing. You're yeah. doing very well, because most people don't do that. That's I, high everyone, I used to gain weight in the writer's room, and then I just... 
stopped. Mm-hmm. Because I also, like, I would even eat desserts or sweets in the writer's room, and I hate, I don't hate them, but mm-hmm. I don't need them ever. Mm-hmm. So it would be really weird. Like, I would be eating chocolate-covered almonds, mm-hmm. and I'm like, would never do that outside of a writer's room. Now, is there a transitional period for you in terms of how you deal with food going from being in a writer's room, like that lifestyle, yeah. to the lifestyle of not being in a writer's room? And- um yeah, or being in production, more mm-hmm. like. Because I never do, we have never done, Lena and I never did um, the sort of writer's room that you stay all day and all night and punching up. Because, first of all, like, it was a funny show, but, you know, it's a big push to say it's a half-hour comedy. Right. You know? So there's that. And then, so we don't have to do the thing where you stay in the room trying to beat jokes and beat jokes and beat jokes. Right. Um, and we never group wrote anything. So, and I, we had a great staff, and we trusted all the writers. So it was really like about breaking. We would we would break the season with Judd, and then we would beat it out, and then we would go write all the characters and beat out their arcs mm-hmm. in every story. And that was sort of it. We rarely got outlines or anything. So when you um, were in that room, so that, it, it, I guess I'm wondering. In terms of lunch and food, like yes. as a passionate food person, where is, does it feel like when a show ends, you're not in production anymore? You can return back to the state of like good you know, food, yeah, good yeah. Food, cooking and <laughs> yes. shopping and absolutely. When we were in, we were in um, at Silver Cup, which is Long Island City, mm-hmm. and at the time we were there, there were basically two places that mm-hmm. were good to eat, and yeah. so we ate at them. Every day. I think there's this place, M. Wells. Is that there now? I don't even think it was there. Oh, okay. It was like long, it was called LIC. Mm-hmm. And then there was, I can't remember the other one. If anyone listens to this at Girls, please text me. <laughs> um, but so that was also another another level of super depressing. Even though right. I eat that yogurt thing a couple times a week, yeah. it's when you ha- when you get that food in that box... You know, it's so interesting because I feel like a lot of writers who are serious writers who I've met and know don't take food seriously. Like a lot of them, oh, totally. they just like kind of shovel some food yes, in their mouths yes. and move on with their day. Yeah. But you're so interesting because you're obviously such an accomplished writer. Yeah. And yet you oh, also... Thank you. Oh, yeah, of so course. Nice. But you love food. And so, I mean, that's what I'm trying to wrap my head around. Yeah. It's like being in production and like shoveling food in your face. and then, But then also yeah. like having these beautiful dinners at your house. Yeah. Well, maybe that's part of why I'm doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's how I want to live. Like, I'm in Call Me By Your Name or something. Oh, God. That'd be great. And so I think maybe that's um, maybe part of why I do it. I hadn't thought of that doctor until now. (laughs) I appreciate you calling me doctor. My mom is like on cloud nine right now. (laughs) Finally became a doctor. Um, Okay, so let's let's return to your lunch. I don't want to skip over okay, it too quickly. So it's yogurt in a bowl with tomatoes, cucumbers, and olive oil, and you stir it all together. And salt and pepper. Salt and pepper. And do you just eat it as like a, almost like a soupy kind of it's thing? It's not that soupy. It's like creamy. It's really like Greek yogurt. It yeah. doesn't get that liquidy. Now, in your journey, though, of the day, you said you don't like lunch. You don't love lunch. Do you love dinner? I love dinner. Okay. And in some ways, I save everything for dinner. Yes. And I've had so, another guest on here, Ryan O'Connell, who's yeah. very similar. We talked oh, yeah. about And I'm similar to you, to be very honest, as a lunch therapist, I should prioritize lunch. Yeah. But I tend to do what you do, too. I'll yeah. have a smoothie and then have a great dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I do smoothies sometimes, but they kind of make me fat for some reason. Oh, really? I don't know why. I think mine might, too, but I'm in oh, denial. Oh, Because I get them at the gym. and right. they're like Oh, definitely. If, they're, they're, if there's fruit in them, yes. you're... Absolutely. But I would eat these ones that were like, you know, fat and protein and like a liquid and a, 
I don't remember what else. Like, there were four things, <laughs> yeah. and um, I just, like, gained five pounds instantly. From the smoothie, <laughs> From yeah. The smoothie. I know. Somebody told me, like, they had an intervention with me and said, you know, you don't have, smoothies aren't great for you. No. And, and I kind of don't want to believe that. Yeah. But, okay, so dinner. So I want to hear a little about your excitement about dinner and how that factors into your day. And Okay, so usually... Sunday is our big, big thing. So Sunday is spent <clears throat> not so much in prep, but we go to the farmer's market. Oh, I was going to ask you, do you go to this farmer's market yes. or Hollywood? I go to Atwater. You and go to Atwater. I love it. Yeah. I'm in love with it. Yeah. It's so small and cute yeah, and yeah, manageable. Totally. Yeah. Well, we go mostly to Larchmont and then sometimes we go to Hollywood when we want to get really creative because they have things there you truly can't get. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like you go to Larchmont and you can get tomatoes. Sorry, you want me to get oh, no, you're doing great. You can get tomatoes, you can get corn, you know, sort of anything, but anything regular, mm-hmm. a breakfast radish or something mm-hmm. is the most wild they get. Oh, right. Like you're not, you know, you go to the farmer's market and you're like, what are mulberries? Oh, what yeah. should I do with mulberries? Well, my farmer's market now has like this hipster organic stand that they become the heirloom tomato kings and queens. Oh, great. But no, it's not great because it's like everyone pounces on them. And so I've given up on heirloom tomatoes at the market. I go to the store called Cookbook and Echo Park. Oh, I love Cookbook. And I get my heirloom tomatoes That's like, I have to tell you, a fancy food store is my favorite thing on earth. Like, if I can find one wherever I go, I feel... At home. And Cookbook in Echo Park. I've not, seen it. Yeah, it's they're incredible. not paying for any advertising, but it truly is my favorite yeah, place in L.A. it's beautiful. Okay, so you're saying that. I don't want to interrupt your therapy yes. session. So you go to the farmer's market every Sunday. Yeah, and we get stuff, and then we usually go to, like, I'm really into Standings Butcher if we want meat. Where's Have you that? been there? No. It's in a really weird spot, which is, like, La Brea. It's on Melrose, right near La Brea, like, next to that comic book shop. Okay, I think I've seen pictures of it, but I just have never it's been there. It's great. And um, I've heard, but I haven't been there yet, that, um, what's it called? Coles? What's that rest? No. Uh, Celia? Oh, Gwen. Gwen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Celia. Celia. I want to go to a restaurant yeah. called Celia. Yeah. Uh, Gwen has a great butcher shop. Yeah. Like, a truly great one where you're just, you're like, you can't believe you're buying such beautiful meat. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I'm, ex- I'm excited about that. I also go to the Huntington Market and the Farmer's Market for Nancy Silverton's Burger Blend. Uh, Burger Blend. Oh, wow. Which is much higher. It's not much, but, you know, most blends in every place are 15 mm-hmm. and whatever, the 85. Yeah, <laughs> so for fat, like, versus everything else. Yeah, and there's 20% fat in Nancy's. Oh, wow. I love Nancy Silverton. And it's so, me too. I'm yeah. such a huge fan. So, okay, so this past Sunday, maybe you can walk us through what you did. Well, this past Sunday was burgers, which is not that much in our usual rotation, but mm-hmm. I will tell you about it. Which is that um, we made hamburgers. I get made fun of this all the time, but I truly get, um, I use scales for hamburgers. Oh, no, that's not worth making fun of. That's great. Well, when people see me do it, it looks stupid, especially when I'm doing like two ounce hamburgers for mashed burgers. Uh Uh-huh. People are like, really? As your lunch therapist, it kind of makes me wonder about, is there a little, like, OCD in no, your No, I don't have any of that. Because on Girls, I know that was a huge storyline. Yes, that was Lena's storyline. That story was Lena's. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. No, that, I don't have any of that. I am really messy. Mm-hmm. Like, Richard says it's like living with a teen runaway, I think you said. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, and um, I'm messy. I don't like to do dishes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm just not... OCD about anything, really. You know what changed my attitude? I wish about, I was a little. OCD. Well, I did, you are with burgers, though, a little bit, because you're but weighing that's them. That's not OCD. <laughs> that's like liking. I just think 
when you ha- when you cook something, it's so much easier. Mm-hmm. Like burgers, if they're the same weight. Sure. And you're doing like a full burger, like on the grill. Or yes, we do burgers on the grill, mm-hmm. and we put cheddar cheese on them. These are based on something else, which I will go back to. But we put cheddar cheese on them, and um, we, and then so. The kind of burgers I like the most are smash burgers. Yeah, I was which gonna ask. Two ounce, mm-hmm. and you put them with salt and pepper. Two ounce each. You put them with salt and pepper in a pan. I learned these from Mark Silverstein and Busy Phillips. Okay. And you you leave them on the side for like one minute, mm-hmm. and then you turn them and over. And you smash them. And down. you smash them yeah, down. Yeah, I've seen videos. I'm so terrified. Don't be. But is it, does it smoke up your whole apartment or house? Well, I mean, we have a very bad vent, so okay. Mostly our I spend a lot of time, we spend a lot of time with cooking sheets. Mm-hmm. Back it. and forth. Oh, yeah. it All these fire, extingu- or yeah. fire alarms in here have been taken out at various yeah, points. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So anything in a cast iron pan, like I made a, um, no, that wasn't it. I can't remember. I made something really recently and they, they went off that was just like chicken thighs or something. Right. So um, we did that and then. Mark taught us how to make them, and he, there's a sauce, and I'm blanking, sadly, on the name of the restaurant where you steal the sauce from, and it's it's like something from North Carolina, okay, and it's kind of like a non-sweet, um, sp- like special sauce. Okay, so it has a, it has like mayo and a lot more mustard than you would rather than you would really see. Okay, normally, and chopped jalapenos, and um. A little ketchup. Okay, because like a Thousand Island dressing is basically ketchup and, and shallots, I think. That sounds really good. It's really good because it's much more savory, mm-hmm. but complicated kind of feeling. And then we put that on, and then we put three to five um, bread and butter pickles. Now, are you the one cooking the burgers, or does your husband cook the burgers? He cooked them, and also we have a very good friend who's the chef at John and Vinny, Courtney Storer, okay. who you should for sure have on the show. I would show. love to. Oh, my God. She's so funny and so great. She was there, and... I may, maybe I'll not tell my husband about this, <laughs> but I feel like he he won't use a thermon- thermometer, uh-huh. so I feel like there's some overcooking. Oh, going interesting! On. Yeah, he won't listen to this. He's very busy. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, so he, yeah, he sometimes it's perfect. But usually, like if we're doing lamb chops, like mm-hmm. ten of them are perfect and ten of them are overcooked. Oh, we've had this exchange before because you've admired my probe thermometer. Yes. Because uh, I use a probe. Th- I'm kind of OCD myself or yeah. whatever the quality that I is. I don't think it's OCD. Not OCD. I, I know, I think that's I know. committed to cooking. Committed to, or just, is it perfectionist? Whatever it is. Like, I don't think it's any of it's not. A, I'm just trying to diagnose this because that's my job. That's, you know, your, that's why I'm a doctor. That's your wound. Yeah, yeah that is of my course. Um, but uh, with my probe thermometer, I, I think it's such a wonderful thing. I just stick it into anything I'm cooking. I, I know. Google like how much exactly. chicken should be and then I take it exactly. out. Exactly. And it takes no time. I know. And, easy and, to it, clean. and you don't, I'm so sick of cutting into things. Yeah. And Thermapen is better than a probe thermometer. I just have I a, think I have Thermapen. Yeah. But I, um, but Richard just won't do it. Like I'm trying to experiment with, um, Mohawk steaks mm-hmm. and, um, you know, they're so thick mm-hmm. and have the big, they look like Fred Flintstone steaks. And so, I mean, tomahawk steaks. Oh, yeah, tomahawk. Sorry. What did you You're call like them? mohawk? <laughs> mohawk steaks sound kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they're both offensive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but uh, 
and that's there's this whole thing online about doing a reverse sear. Uh-huh. And so what is a reverse, reverse sear? Reverse sear is when you cook it till it's cooked and then do two minutes oh, high heat. Yeah, that makes sense. It's very hard to do on a Weber. Okay. So, I mean, not for the guys who have the 4 million tutorials, but... Sure. But, um, like... I used a thermometer probably so much that it dried out, but, oh, wow. you know, there's no way to do that without a thermometer. Now, do you and your husband... Because I can't do the thing when you're supposed to touch your yeah. palm. I have no idea what any of that means. And it's means. not 100% accurate. Yes, of you. course not. Yeah. But wait, with you and your husband cooking, do you... Can you, divi- can you describe the division of labor? I mean, is he... I'm getting the image that he's at the grill and, yes. and you're at the salad bowl. I mean, um, is that... Sort of, although he will always be... There are days when I cook more, and there are days when he cooks more. And when Mm -hmm. we're grilling, and I really do want to learn how to grill. Mm -hmm. Because my baby daddy, who's a different person, is, Mm -hmm. like, the king of the barbecue. Okay. Like, one time, like, we used to live in this small place, and he was like, I ordered a new barbecue. And I was like, cool. And then it came from Texas on a truck, and it was a huge oil can. Oh, wow. Like, it was crazy. And he does a lot of smoking and a lot of... What do you think it is about gender and grilling and... I think it's like... This is probably going to go really wrong. (laughs) But it's like kind of like straight white male privilege or like... Because it's like, I can tame fire. Yes. Like, you know those people who stayed in Malibu? Uh It was all white men. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I can tame fire. I mean, yeah, I can. I can. Yeah. I'm so no, smart. No, this didn't go wrong. This went right. Okay, that's good. really interesting. Okay. Yeah, because I, I think that as a gay man, I don't have that desire yeah. to stand at a grill yeah. and like fork meat around. And, yeah. You know, but I know for sure there are so many straight white men. And by the way, if you're a straight white man listening yes. to this, no offense. And also, but, <laughs> I mean, I follow a lot of tutorials. You know, there are tons of black men too. But like, I do think there and. Different races of all kinds. Yeah. But the ones I know mm-hmm. are straight white men. There's a chef in New York, Angie Marr, I think is her name, and she's the chef at, oh my God, I'm going to blank on the name of it. It's like a really cool restaurant, and she's like a badass meat chef. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's awesome. obviously like people who there subvert are, the I norm. Mean, Carla Lolly is, when she came for um, the dinner party to celebrate her cookbook mm-hmm. at my house, because also, by the way, we didn't have furniture for a long time Mm because we moved and so our living room became like a perfect event space oh cool like we had 48 I think at Thanksgiving and Mm -hmm. so we 48 at Thanksgiving it's usually between yeah it's basically it's really big we take in a lot of orphans I have a big family Ben baby daddy has a big family Richard doesn't but um we do it with all our kids and other people with all their kids and then all the people who don't have somewhere to go. How many turkeys did you make? Ben makes a huge turkey and a huge ham. That feeds 48? Yeah, maybe it's not 48. 38. Oh, I'm 30. sorry, it's oh, no, 38. Still, that's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. But we do a potluck. Yeah. It's really oh, fun. that's great. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, I'm noticing, like, th- therapy-wise... I'm just thinking about your job, and then I'm thinking about your cooking, and I, in both, I'm sensing an ambitiousness, like, and yeah. a, and a, but a casualness about that ambitiousness. Yes. It's like you're tackling these huge things, but you're kind of low key about it. And I think I, that's right. That's interesting, Doctor. Oh, I thank think that's, you. Yeah. I, I do think that's right. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. I sort of thought of it as producery. Mm-hmm. But also, the thing is, is we have a lot of very close friends, and we value them so much and all we want to be is a house where we can be the house where people come on Sunday they know what they're doing I have this friend Goldie Goldberg and she um, is one of my closest friends and 
she comes every Sunday. Wow. Like, she's our staple. Okay. And she comes every single Sunday, and she helps us prep. She's a very, very slow chopper. Like, we're always <laughs> like, she's like, I should have started this onion two weeks ago. Really? But she's very meticulous. Good. Um, and I think that it's about community more than anything else. But my, the question I have, because I'm so curious about this. Yes, is, ask me anything. How do you manage both producing a TV show and producing a dinner for 38? Like, what is going on in your brain that is allowing it to be great, but that at the same time is letting it be casual and relaxed? Well, for the 38, I have a whole system. Because mm-hmm. first of all, it's potluck. I make, like, the mashed potatoes and, you know, all this cheese and starters and all of that. But I don't do that much. Maybe I do a veg or something. Mm-hmm. Richard makes the stuffing. Ben makes the entrees. And then everyone else just brings cool things. And so that one, I have... A friend who makes tablecloths. Mm-hmm. We now, after so many dinner parties, own all the plastic tables and plastic chairs. Okay. And, um, at, but for Thanksgiving, I think we get more. And so my friend Heather comes over, Heather Taylor. I really recommend her for linens. They're the most gorgeous linens in okay. the world. I'm and very that. casual. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you can do mis- mixy matchy and everything. I have a bunch of, we use them every weekend, but just a much. I rent because. It's so hard to deal with, and because I don't need, you know, 50 napkins. Oh, you rent the napkins? I rent the napkins and the tablecloths. From Heather. From Heather. And then when they're dirty, she takes them back? Yes. That's amazing. You don't know about this? No, I think I need to do that. Because our tablecloth is covered in candle wax right now. Yes, right, of course. Ice helps, but it's really hard to get it off. I know, I think. That's what they're for. Like, they're sort of made to be covered in tablecloth. So it sounds like what you're saying is that there's a. A community. You mentioned community, and so yeah. it sounds like in both. And I'm just getting the yeah, sense yeah, that, like, yeah. in the work that you do, the cooking and the and the writing and the producing, like, it's about creating an environment where great yes. great things can happen. Yes, good vibes all around. That's so absolutely. cool. Absolutely, and people feeling comfortable, like they have a place to go. You know, mm-hmm. some people just call us and we're like, "Is this a Sunday?" You know, because okay, we leave leave town, and or like my kids are coming back from camp, and we're mm-hmm. like, "This isn't a Sunday," but. It's almost always a Sunday when we're home, and the kids have, you know, the stability of it, and Coco, my 15-year-old, now has, like, 10 friends over, oh, you know, fun. maybe five, but so it's really great and family, and we just built this huge, long table out of marble, and wow. when I say we, I mean someone else. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, um, you weren't chiseling a table out of no, marble. No, okay. but it's, I'll show you a picture, it's, I don't, I want to say it's like, 14 feet or something. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's longer than that. It's really long. And so we can seat so many people there. So now it's really nice because it's so warm out. You know, we can all sit out there eating. We we set the, ta- you know, whoever's around or the kids set the table. Mm-hmm. At the, It's not like that people come into a set table. Right. You know what I mean? And that, I think that's, you know, it's so funny because it's like people want to come over and cook with me and I'm yeah. so uptight about it that I'm like, uh, I don't oh, know if that's Oh, the good best thing in the world. I know. Because also, I think it's the most generous thing you can do. Is to open your kitchen? Is to open your kitchen and to let them help. It doesn't have to be like, can you take the temperature? Right. But anyone can put olives in a jar. Anyone can, you know, put wine glasses This is going to be my therapy session. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I told you I'd turn I, it I around. I know you did turn it around, but it's true. I mean, I think what you're describing isn't an ideal state for hosting any dinner party, which is to make people feel like part of something. Yeah, and, it's and not, not about you. Yeah, it's not. And Craig, it's fine. And also, it's nice to have some help. I'm telling 
telling you. Yeah. Like you don't have to do all the things. I think for me, and again, this shouldn't be my therapy session, yes. but I think for me, there's a sense of like, Ooh, I'm going to make this thing and I want it to come out this way. Yeah. And I'm so excited for it to end like this. Yes. So therefore I have to be there every step of the way and make sure that it's perfect. You per- can, that can be your entree. Yeah. Yeah. And then let you know somebody what I mean? else cut I mean, the tomatoes. You can do the pastas or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Let someone give them a serrated knife, let yeah. them cut the tomatoes. Mm-hmm. You put the mozzarella and basil on. So it looks like what you want it to look right. like. Right. But it's not about, it's about letting go of control. Yes. So- and really, I think it makes people feel really good. I know. I think you're right. Yeah. So you should start doing that. Like just delegate, start slow, Mm -hmm. delegate two things your next dinner party. Okay. Okay. Thank you, doctor. And do you do the, do you have people set the table? No, I I should let them set the table. No one needs to walk in. To like oh my God. wine glasses and da 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 da. I mean, we do that at Thanksgiving, Craig but I, I just. Craig I, and I got into a huge fight recently because we, we watched um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest again, and I was sort of like making an argument in praise of Nurse Ratchet. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, she kind of has a point, you know, like, and, you know, it's like she gets things done yes. and the music is at a certain level. And he was horrified. Yeah. He was like, she's a villain. She's yeah, like yeah. a Nazi. Yeah. You know? If you can see any, she's a sociopath. Yeah. So if you she's can see. She's a symbol of her fascism. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. And you can like find the good side. <laughs> okay. Maybe you can just find the good side in everyone. Maybe. No, I think it was sort of like recontextualizing her in 2019 and yeah. looking at her as a woman. That happens a lot these days. Yeah. Rewatching things, you're like, well, that doesn't hold up. Yeah, she's a woman in this room full of all these men who yeah. are acting like assholes, yeah. and it's like she's just trying to do her job. Oh my god, I'm really interested to <laughs> to watch it again. I love it. I loved watching it again. Okay, but back to you. Oh, also the other food thing yes. we do that's kind of fun is we our friends get to host. We have a screen. We made excuse me. We made our garage into a screening room. Okay, um, and we now. Do a thing where, like, we have a friend host a movie they want to show, and they have to do research, and they come and introduce it and tell us stuff we didn't know about it. Like, wow. when we did—and then I make food. So when we did Tootsie, I did Russian food for the Russian tea room. I love that. And then my friend Jocelyn did um, River's Edge, and we did—I I did fish because— and Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. Oh, that's great. Someone so, gave me the Russian Tea Room cookbook, which I have. Oh, in that's there. amazing. It's right there on the floor. That's, that's that amazing. Cook- do you collect, collect oh, um, God. vintage? Do I? I have cookbooks literally spilling out of every corner. But do you collect vintage specifically? or No, just all, all kinds. But I was going to ask you, so I feel like these images I'm getting of like big tables, yeah, lots of you people. You have to come over. I'd love to. Yeah. But I want to know more about how you grew up. Um, My mom was a big entertainer. Yeah, because it sounds that like you grew up. I mean, in a very '80s way. Like we would have spaghetti carbonara all the time, a lot of pesto. Uh Um, But she had she made a lot of dinner parties, and um, so I always thought. I guess I haven't thought about this in a while, but I guess she made so many dinner parties and was such a good cook that it became an inspiration for me. And did you grow up? You grew up in California. Mostly Los Angeles, yeah. Los Angeles. So was she, did she entertain in a similar way that you entertain? I think she was slightly more formal. Mm-hmm. But even now, she's quadriplegic now, and mm-hmm. even now, she throws a huge Christmas party. Really? <laughs> yeah. Even though we're Jewish. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, I think it's, I think it must have come from that. And she taught me a lot about cooking. Because like it's so, I think it's so fascinating, like how people respond to their parents' yeah. relationship to food, 
and whether they mimic it yeah. or they have a reaction to it. Yeah. But it, it sounds like yours is sort of a celebration of how you grew up in a way. Or I mean, maybe I don't. I I don't think about that a lot, mm-hmm. but but it totally tracks. And did you grow up? Did, did you grow up in a food loving family? I mean, oh was, yeah. Yeah. My mom used to like a lot of the geography as a child that I knew of California was based on food. Mm -hmm. So my mom would take me here for an avocado burger, here for barbecue, and then she would take me to Palm Springs for a date shake. It wasn't wasn't fancy at all, Mm -hmm. but, you know, my family was willing to travel for food. Right. I think, is that a Jewish thing? Probably. Yeah, because my, I mean, for me, it's like, life, you know, that thing of, like, life is meals. It's yeah. like, I literally, like, plan vacations. I plan daily oh. events around meals. Oh, of course. Yeah. What else is a vacation? But Craig, you know, is, uh, my partner Craig is, um, just in case somebody didn't know that, um, <laughs> is the total opposite. Like, literally, he could forget to eat yeah. for a day, and I'd be like, did you eat? Like, yeah. Oh, no, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, Richard spent college eating a tuna sandwich every single day of his life. Really? But now he's really into food. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I dragged him with me a little bit, too. He was, like, into food, but, like, would also order Thai food three days a week or something like that. And right. And now he's so into cooking and so into eating good food. We just went to Greece. Oh, I saw that on yeah. your Instagram. Oh, my gosh. I know. I apologize for it that. It was amazing. It truly was even more amazing than Instagram, which never happens. <laughs> more amazing than Instagram. I know. And so it was funny because we did... Different places had different great food, although... I will tell you, mm-hmm. I ate tarama, which is like tarama salada. Oh, yeah, yeah. But so smooth and delicious. Mm-hmm. And I ate that every single place we went to try to figure out my favorite one and then to try to figure out the recipe. So since I got back, I think two weeks ago, I've made three batches of tarama. Is it bread that makes it? Gives There's it a- bread. Yeah. There's also potato if you want to do potato, which uh-huh. I prefer. And the one I haven't tried is almond. Oh, wow. But bread, just like if you. Mix it up, it gets gummy. That's what I was I thinking. mean, potatoes do too, but you can, it's so much faster. How do you pronounce it? Like a tamara salada? Or t- it's, what it's called in Greece is tarama. Tarama. I'll send you the recipe. Do you it, like lump fish? Uh, sure. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had lump fish. It's like, you know, cheap caviar kind of. But tamara From a white ship. That, that, that spread that you're talking about, I remember there was this profile once of Ed Koch. And oh my Koch, God. And he would eat that. That would be like his dinner every night. He'd like spread it on crackers alone in his apartment. Wow. Which is kind of odd. Dark. It's yeah. very dark. Also, he probably wasn't alone. Well, oh, what do you mean? Because he was gay. Yeah, no, I know. But the, but it was a very, like, bleak profile of Ed Koch. Right. Oh, I see. But I'm like, saying he probably just said I do that. And oh. he's probably maybe sharing those with someone with like, like in my dream. A, a room full of gay men. Yes, or like exactly. Spreading, like, uh, caviar spread on, exactly, on toast. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, okay, tell me more about Greece, though. Do you want to hear about the other so things we that went, you ate there? The first island we went to, which was um, Falengandros, was very empty, beautiful island where you could take boats to beaches that no one was on and things like that. Um, and the center, the town is was about five minutes from our our hospital. And, uh, hospital. Wow. Freudian you might, doctor, you might yeah, want to get into that. That's really good. Um, we can explore that well, later. Well, the food at the hotel was like hospital okay. food. So we drive up to the Hora, which was like the town, which mm-hmm. is beautiful and really cute. And um, we had just gotten to Greece and had spent like months because we planned this trip a long time ago, and we had we spent months um, 
you know, saying, we're going to have fish and tomatoes every day. Mm -hmm. And then we got there, and we tried fish at, like, three places, and the only thing good truly there of the places we went was the tarama. Okay. So, and then I found out later that it's really about the grilled meats there. Oh, interesting. And And what was the name of the island you were on again? um, Folengandros. I don't think I've ever heard of that. I know. The (laughs) woman at the airport said to me when she was like, what... What islands did you visit? And I told her, and she was like, how did you know? Yeah, how did you know? Yeah, because we have a really good... There is still one travel agent in the world. Okay. And um, she's incredible. She's Richard's friend for, like, I want to say 25 years, Uh if not more, and um, maybe 30 years. And she lives right around the corner for us, and we love her, and we love her husband. Her name is Diane Shearer, if anyone's interested. Yeah. I feel um, like this island is going to blow up after this podcast. It's going to be I like, hope not. <laughs> Everyone's like, don't tell anyone. Yeah, don't tell anyone. Um, and then we went to Sifno's, which had amazing food. Okay. And you had to walk from our hotel, and this might have only been at the time of day we went, but we would walk at dinner time, um, which for us still then was like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. By the end of the trip, we were 9, 9, 9, 30, 10. Is that when they eat there? That's most, when they eat. Yeah, it's like Europe in general. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we went... You had to walk from our hotel t- along the, like, you couldn't wear pants because mm-hmm. you, ha- you had to walk through water to get there. Oh, wow. Maybe it's just global warming. I'm not sure. Oh, but it wow. felt very romantic. It sounds very magical. It really was. And there was a restaurant there and two restaurants there we loved, loved, loved. And one was great for seafood. Mm-hmm. And one was, the, it was a family-run restaurant from a family-run farm. Mm-hmm. But very authentic Greek. It was not like farm to table. Right, right. You know right. what I yeah, mean? Yeah. It was not Dan Barber, and who, by the way, did my wedding food oh before he had Blue Hill. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, we had sweetbreads. He's so amazing. I he's, love following him on Instagram. He's the best. He's he just grew a plant that had strawberries and tomatoes coming out of the same plant. It's so crazy. That is crazy. So this trip was, now is this, was Greece a place that you had at the top of your list because it was well, going to be beautiful? Know, or? Perhaps you're on Instagram. Oh, of ever. course. Yeah. <laughs> no, sure. I know you are. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying every summer, and I've never gone on a two-week vacation mm-hmm. as an adult. So every summer, we just watch all our friends go to um, these beautiful places right. on boats. And I just, you know, with girls, we always made it during the summer. Mm-hmm. So we rented a house in the North Fork next to our best friends, and we would make these friends of ours, wherever we are, mm-hmm. do huge dinners together. Okay. So it's Jesse Parrots and Sarah Sophie Flicker, and uh-huh. um, we really, like, that's a place we spend all day planning meals when we're at the when we're at the um, North Fork because we, they have this incredible house. I don't know if you saw the Beach House episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of that's course. his house. Oh, my God. And so that's their house. So, um, you know, me and Jesse and our friend John and... Eben, mm-hmm. who was on Girls 2, um, we drink coffee. We all go to Jesse's. Like, ours was almost like the guest house because it was next door. Mm-hmm. So we could have other friends, too. And we all go to Jesse's and Sarah's. And me and Jesse and Eben and John basically start planning the meal when we're having coffee. Okay. And then it's like, are we going to the fish market? Are we going there? And, you know, which which tomato place are we going? And, oh you know, there's one really close to them in a pinch, but then there's, like, the good one with heirlooms. Oh, I want to go somewhere else for one second, which is that when heirlooms first started, mm-hmm. the only place that did them in the farmer's market was Tutti Frutti. Mm-hmm. So you had to get there at 8. 
In New York? No, in Hollywood. Oh, in Hollywood. Tutti yeah. Frutti. Okay. You know them. It's ringing a bell. Yeah. You'll know them. Okay. I promise. <laughs> um, and so it's really funny now that you can get them at the Whole Foods or oh, yeah, any they're place. Everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. They're like probably in CVS. So when you were on the North Fork, did you ever go to the North Fork Inn? Is that what it's called? Where Claudia Fleming, the pa- she's like a legendary pastry chef. She was the pastry chef at the Gramercy Tavern. Oh, yeah, Tavern. I went there. Yeah, and she now, like, she kind of, like, escaped. They have a really, the thing I like best involved with that is mm-hmm. they have a food truck mm-hmm. that you can drive to. It's in a parking lot next door mm-hmm. where they make fantastic burgers and lobster Ooh, rolls. Amazing. And you sit on blankets on grass mm-hmm. and eat. This, these incredible meals, and that is really good. Wow. I'm North Fork is a little, like, I don't love tasting menus. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? I've never been, so I just, I yeah, don't, it's, I always Yeah, we did it. a tasting menu there, right. so I don't know. It's all, it's a little fussy when you're in the North Fork to be there. Oh, people love it. Right. But for me, I'd rather go to the truck or cook. Her cook, her dessert cookbook was out of print for a long time. Oh, people wow. were selling it for like $300, $400, but yeah. they're reprinting it finally. That happened with Ruth Reichel's cookbook. Do oh, you right. remember that? Yeah. So I was going to ask you, I'm, I'm curious, it just occurred to me, but, when, you know, in creating girls and working on girls, um... How did food ever enter the writer's room as a subject that you wanted to write about? I mean, we talked a lot about, like, Hannah has this scene, I think it's in, I can't remember what episode, five or something of first season, where she goes home Mm -hmm. and, like, binge eats out of the fridge. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yes, we were always talking about food. And this was a relatively healthy writer's rooms. Like, there are writer's rooms where people order burgers three times a week. Right. And it's disgusting. Yeah. Um, So this was a pretty healthy one, and we had some vegetarians, so it was a better food vibe. But Mm -hmm. again, when you don't want to eat lunch... It's boring. But in terms of storytelling, like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I'm fascinated at, you know, how food... You know, there's not many... um, like great movies about food. I mean, there are the great movies about yeah. food, like Big Night and yeah, The yeah. Best Feast and stuff, but when you're at the helm of a show like this that millions of people are watching yeah. and it's a huge thing and it's like, and you love food, did you ever try to get a story in there that was about, like, making tomatoes for dinner? I don't know. It's it- really hard to get a story about good food into a show about 20-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they just don't eat good food. You right. know, it would have been such an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to cook in my early 20s, for yeah. sure, but... No one else did. Mm-hmm. Like, me and my ex hosted dinner parties at our house, but we were almost never going anywhere else. So I think that it just isn't believable. Kind right. Of in so it's world. more about the characters. These yes. characters wouldn't. Yeah, like, in yeah. fact, in the pilot, I think it's the pilot, someone is making, um, someone is making Thai food or something and it gets all stuck on the bottom and it's really rubbery that mm-hmm. may not be in the pilot in the pilot we definitely have marnie say our strawberries i'm gonna make our strawberries no i'm gonna make a bougie strawberry salad oh that's funny yeah <laughs> but i think that in general it would have been a hard story to tell yeah because we kind of if we ever focused on food it was bad food or overeating. Overeating. Yeah, I mean, it makes me wonder, though, like, in the bigger picture of your writing career, I mean, have you ever wanted to write about food, or...? I mean, I am interested in writing, like, who doesn't want to write Call Me By Your Name, you know? Yeah, but, yeah. like, that movie is very much about food without being sure. about food. Yeah. And it's upstairs, downstairs, mm-hmm. and it's queer and beautiful, and I think um, I would like to write a movie where... Food is a big thing in the background. Yeah, yeah. But I don't really need to see anyone cook that much. 
And did you get to travel with girls like, like Tokyo and stuff like that? Yeah. And so did you I wrote that one because when I went to Tokyo, Richard took me to Tokyo as a surprise. And when I went, I was like, everyone's a Shoshana. Oh, fascinating. So I was like, instead of lost in translation, she's sort of found in translation. Oh, and she like finds her people. <laughs> I love that. And so... I, and I wanted to go back, yeah. frankly, and we had never gone anywhere exciting with mm-hmm. girls, so we did that, and it was great. Well, I think as, as like we're nearing the end of the podcast, like I do want to sort of like... Really? It feels like it was 10 minutes? I know. We still have a little time, but okay. I, I want to make sure I got synthesized, because I feel like we've gone in a lot of directions. I know. I do that. No, I do that, My too. My brain does not connect. By the thoughts. way, that's not a bad thing. Okay. I think a good therapy session does go in a lot of directions. That's for sure. Yeah. But in terms of like the yogurt lunch yes. and stuff, so in terms of, of like... How it represents you. It seems to me like the impression I'm getting is it's sort of a way station on the way to dinner. Exactly. And that dinner is the real thing. So I don't get hangry. So maybe a better question than what did you have for lunch today? And I'd like to end every podcast with this question, which yes. is what are you going to be having for dinner tonight? Um, we're going to Moza. Okay, Moza. And I found in L.A. that every time, mostly when I try new restaurants, we always just go back to Osteria Moza and Petite Trois mm-hmm. and a couple... And a couple of sushi places, but we truly, which is Sushi Park and EK, but Sushi Park is prohibitively expensive. I don't think I've ever been there. I've been to EK. Save your money. Okay. <laughs> when one of those green writers guild checks uh, yeah. come in. Sure. Go to Park. Yeah. Sushi Park. Well, Moza and uh, Petit Trois are so incredible. Yeah. They're just, and my, my favorite is actually Key Spaka, the meat restaurant. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. But it's so intense. Mm-hmm. You have to like, run a marathon first because oh I go lot. home and sleep for like three yeah, days. It's, it's a so hangover. Rich. It's like yeah. a pizza with like cheese and butter and then but wait. I'm but sorry. also Phil Rosenthal just told me you should have him. Oh yeah he'd be great. I'll introduce you. Yeah. Um, you're going to cut that right? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's all, it's all okay. one take but it's fine. Um, <laughs> um, uh, he told me that the real thing that's so great at Kispaka which I've never ordered is the fish. Really? Yeah. Fish at Kispaka. I know. It's crazy, but they do like a whole grilled sea bass or oh something. Oh, my gosh. But I want to I walk through like Jenny Connor at a restaurant for dinner. Okay. Can you like walk I'm going to tell you about my favorite restaurant. Okay. Because I think you'll think this is funny. Yes. And we are actually, I'm getting married after being with someone for a million years, yeah. but he just surprised me and now we're getting, like we own homes together. You know, it's like, oh. but he just surprised, I know, it's funny, but yeah. I can't say my fiance because I'm fucking old oh. and already had, you know, I got married, we both got married already, so. I'm still calling him like Richard, who lives in my house. You know, <laughs> Richard, who lives in my house. That <laughs> but works. anyway, we're trying to get. We actually, it's from Maria. Have you ever been there in New York? Yeah, yeah, I have been there. It's my favorite. Oh, it's amazing restaurant in the weirdest place. There's like a bone marrow with like. Oh yeah. Fish. Okay, There's so like hold a- on. So we're trying to either get him to cater. We wrote him a love letter, but yeah. I don't think he'll do it. So, or otherwise, we're gonna have people make the things we love at our running because food. You know we. We have a wedding planner because it's New York, and it's going to happen at Jesse and Sarah's. Oh, great! Yeah, and Beautiful. they're they're brownstone, though, okay. not their country house. And so we we go mostly sit at the bar, mm-hmm. which is my favorite. That also, I'm good. really bad at making reservations ahead of time. But that seems to be in the spirit of your casual dinner party. It's yes, like you'd totally. rather just sit at the bar. Yes. And by the I, way, also, sitting at the bar is my favorite. And you saying that you want people to make the food also sounds more in the spirit of your dinner party. Exactly. Yeah, so this all sounds of a piece. So it's going to be, I mean, we're, this is what we order every time like a good bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes we start with a cocktail because they have such good cocktails there. 
not that I'm against a cocktail, but usually at dinner we do wine. Sure. Um, and then, or on certain days we do tequila, or Busy's husband Mark now makes something I call the Silverstein, which is kind of like an Aperol margarita. Whoa. It's really good. Aperol with tequila? Instead, yeah. Oh and gosh. lots of citrus. I have both those things here. Maybe I'll make that tonight. Maybe you'll make it right now for me. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sounds great. And we'll record another session. I'm not kidding. <laughs> okay, Sarah, um, let's do it. So, so uh, we order something called the Ricci, which is toast with uni on it, wrapped in lardo. Is it like Christina Ricci, like R-I-C-C? No, I think it's R-I-C-I, but it okay. might be C-C. Um, but wrapped in lar- so lardo. Un- okay, got so it. So uni like, on toast wrapped in essentially fat. So like, um, what's it warmed. called? Like surf and turf in a weird way. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Not kosher. No, of course but not. But I guess uni's not kosher. Did you grow up kosher? No. Okay. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Um, uh, I couldn't do it. No. Um, my dad grew up in a somewhat kosher home. Yeah, I think my dad did too. So my dad hated cheese. Like growing up, right. he, he wouldn't eat lasagna or anything. Right? Can but, you imagine hating cheese? I know. And, and I married like a total cheese freak who okay. only wants to eat cheese. Where do you get your cheese in LA? Um, Cookbook has amazing cheese. Oh, yeah. um, actually, Gelson's, you know, and it's terrible. They have decent cheese. I get Gelson's and Whole Foods cheese all the time. Yeah, it's Whole really Foods good. has Harbison from Jasper, Jasper Hills. Oh yeah, which is that one that you cut the top off. And it's a really mild, soft cheese. Ooh. It's stinky, but it's so good. But back to you at a restaurant. I know, I'm sorry. I, no, no, no. If I want to think about you at a restaurant, <laughs> I'm trying to like imagine, you know, because in terms of like how we reveal our psychologies around food, like yeah. I do feel like I have a clear sense of you being very casual. Oh wait, I didn't finish the dinner though. Oh, that you have at Maria. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you go to the, the bar. We oh, yeah. go to the bar. We yeah. order a bottle of wine. We have the Ricci. Yes. The, and. Um, the sea urchin on toast with lardo mm-hmm. that's warmed, so the lardo's melted. Oh, my God. It's I want to so fly good. to New York right now and eat that. And then we have my favorite thing on earth, which is homemade fusilli with red wine and octopus and bone marrow. I have had that. That's amazing. Isn't it the best thing in the world? It really is, yeah. Like, imagine bringing a big bowl of that out, yeah. you know, and we're going to have the chef cook in Jesse's kitchen, which oh is totally open kitchen, and... I just think it's going to feel... In fact, someone said to us some version of... It's a tiny, tiny wedding, but someone said it's like a, a sun, one of our Sundays on a Saturday. That sounds beautiful. Yeah. That sounds very you. Yes, exactly. How well, far away is this? It's fun to plan a wedding when you're old, because <laughs> then you do what you actually want. Sure. Wait, so how far away is the wedding? Um, October. Oh, okay. Oh, that'll be beautiful in New yeah. York, too. We're going to have an L.A. party. You can come to that. Oh, great. Well, hey, no pressure. I'm <laughs> yeah. not trying to guilt you into anything. <laughs> yes, you are. So, no, you, <laughs> so you get the Ricci, you get the Fusili. And, and then, then we get, for dessert, the Ricci. Oh, wow, you get a lot of ichi, ricci. Yes, well, because I don't like sweets, really. Wait, what, oh, you get that for dessert? Yeah. But you also have it as an appetizer? Yes. So you don't like sweets at all? I really don't. I mean, Carla makes such... I'm going to have sweets at the wedding. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do Carla Lolly's chocolate mousse that with sea salt. It's oh really God. good and whipping cream on top. And it's very savory, but mm-hmm. I'm doing that mostly for everyone else mm-hmm. because I think... It, I don't serve dessert. On Sundays, I serve... If I'm going to even do anything, I serve, um, like, dark chocolate and some citrus or something. Or, like, cherries in the summer. I was just thinking, this is, like, a very, like, lofty question. But I think it's kind of interesting because I was just thinking about, like, what does good food mean to you? Like, what, what is it... Like, like, as you're describing all this, and it sounds so exciting to you, but, like, what does it mean? Is it... Community, I think. Yeah, this is something you could share with other yes, people. Yes, even when I cook for just me and Richard and the kids, mm-hmm. 
it brings us all together at a table mm-hmm. talking about our day. Yes. You know, when when we order takeout, which we do, Pine and Crane does takeout now. Mm-hmm. Um, Pine and Crane does. Yes. Oh, yeah, we do Postmates yeah, from there exactly, all the time. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, we wind up, and this is fun too, but we sit around our kitchen island, and that's a whole different vibe, mm-hmm. but it always feels like... Food is what gets your kids to you. Mm-hmm. How, how many kids do you have? Friends. I forgot to ask you. Two. Two. Okay. And how old are they? Fifteen-year-old girl and a twelve-year-old boy. And are they? I hate this word. I'm not, I don't even want yeah. to say foodies, but are they into food? Not really. Mac and I went to Paris alone this year oh, for that's his spring break, so and fun. he ate everything. Oh my and gosh. he'll basically eat everything. Coco's a vegetarian. Okay. And we'll eat anything basically vegetarian, but. It's really hard. I'm not great at cooking vegetarian, and I'm also one of those people who thinks, like, if you don't have protein, you'll die. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't love, like, beans and rice. and what. I just want a protein in every meal that's, like, a real protein, not a, like, you know, leafy greens. So do you make her a different dinner? No, than- I tend to make vegetarian when, when they're uh, here. Do, they have, do your kids have a favorite thing that you make? Um, yeah. Well, my son loves, I make, you know, the genius cooking chicken thighs. Do you know about those? The uh, Genius Recipes from, it's from Canal House. Oh, no, I don't know about it. Do you have Genius Recipes? Yeah. What you the mean? Food 52 one? Uh, no, I don't have, I'm on friends with, I mean, I, I know Amanda, but no, I haven't. Yeah, I yeah, I it. don't know Amanda. Oh, I need great. to, but I got to do their, I did Piglet. their, what? The Piglet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was so very cool. fun. Um, so, I... I do. They're in Genius Recipes, which is really Canal House because they're collecting other people's recipes. It's mm-hmm. not their recipe. The the sort of how to cook for the week one is mm-hmm. their recipes, but this one is just you know the cauliflower steak I think from Dan Barber and the, oh, you right, know. Right. So um, the chicken. I mean, I will make chicken thighs in any way possible, mm-hmm. right? So they're just the easiest thing in the world because you put them on skin down and mm-hmm. then you flip them. Yeah. After fifteen minutes, you don't have to touch anything or do anything, and add some preserved lemons and. Go. Although I just had my biggest cooking disaster of recent memory what was, it? was I was making a Nancy Silverton recipe, which was an amazing recipe for chicken thighs and sausages with yeah. like pepidu peppers and the liquid and wine. But I doubled it. But I yeah. put it in one pan and I put it in the oven as Craig's aunt and uncle and cousin were coming over, oh, God. and it spilled over and then like yeah. fumes of vinegary you needed, air. Um, or, or, you needed saran wrap. I needed saran wrap <laughs> exactly. Wow, it came full circle. Yeah, it always does Wait, so with writers. It does. But so your kid's favorite recipe of yours is it's chicken thighs and coke. I make the Allison Roman this year. It's been the Allison Roman um, turmeric, uh, you know, chickpeas. Have you uh-huh. made that with kale with coconut? Milk? Oh, it's like a big recipe. Oh, it's huge. It went viral. viral. Yeah, it's huge, and it's fantastic. I don't, it's chickpeas, kale, turmeric, coconut milk, yeah, and just sort of like a vegetarian kind of healthy. And yeah, it just feels really clean, mm-hmm. and both of my kids love it. Richard mm-hmm. loves it, and. It's pretty easy to make. Oh, wow. And, but it's funny because me and my ex were very, very close, but mm-hmm. we discovered it at the same time. Oh, wow. So the kids, the, and another thing from Carla Lolly's, which is the mozzarella and um, peas. Oh, I saw is, that. And Grilled so and raw. Good. It's oh, my God. amazing. And it takes 14 seconds to make. And so my kids are always, like, coming back or thinking things are viral when they're not, because mm-hmm. Ben and I tend to <laughs> read the same things and find the same recipes. And is that a selling point to them? If you're like, this is a viral recipe, you got to eat it. No, they just are like, why are we having this twice in a week? Uh, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there anything that you've made them that they refuse to eat? 
Oh, so many things. Oh, really? Oh, constantly. Was there like one in particular though that you were really, really frustrated that no, they it were... happens all the time. I mean, you know, and my rule is then go have cereal. Right. Like I don't need to make them I'm eat it. I'm not going to make you something. But else. I'm not going to make you something else. Um, I usually make like for Sundays. There's always enough vegetarian stuff that Coco's happy too. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I'll make that as a salad, and anyone can eat it, and she can eat it, and, you know, things like that. I wish she ate fish. I would be in heaven. Okay. So when your child tells you that they're a vegetarian, you know, is is it is the instinct to just sort of, as somebody who loves food and yeah. cooking, is it just to sort of support their, you know... The instinct is not to support them. <laughs> yeah. The instinct is to hope it's a phase. Right. But, um, and then, of course, you accept it. And she took it very serious. She wasn't, like, a six-month vegetarian. She's been a vegetarian for, like, three years or something. And, I, and she's yeah. doing it for the environment. Well, that's great. I, I know. It's just you can't talk someone out of it. I know. Like, yeah. she's like, Fisher just, is just as bad as me. <laughs> so. Did she read, like, Eating Animals or something? Like, yeah, she, yeah. She either read that. She watched some documentary. I yeah. don't remember. But it's not really... It's really more about the environment than yeah. meat. And now she just lost the t- taste for meat completely. Like, she uh, doesn't want an impossible burger. Well, her she generation want... has, like, every reason to be concerned about the environment, too. It's like, well, they're the ones who are really going to be swimming through Miami. And, yeah. you know. Um, well, before we end, I do have to ask you. And yes, anything. Forgive me. I, I, you're friends with Gwyneth Paltrow. I am. <laughs> She's the best. Have you gone there for dinner? A lot. Um, and what's it like going to dinner at Gwyneth Paltrow's house? It's one of my favorite things and it's my favorite restaurant in LA okay and um, we hang out most of the time with this one group of women and so we always all wind up going there mm-hmm. and um, at the same time and it's just she is a very good cook mm-hmm. she has cooks from goop come and make her recipes sometimes mm-hmm. so that she can really be there but right. it still feels incredibly homey uh-huh and we go in and we have, you know, almonds or something small, like, sitting in front of her fireplace. And she has a very, um, like, kind of low living room. So you can, like, lean on the coffee table. Oh, wow. It's the coziest place on earth. And we all catch up. And then we go to dinner. And, you know, they bring us dinner and wine or a cocktail. She has always the best cocktail. She makes the best cocktails. What is it? Just different ones. You know, she makes, like, a twist Sorry. on a something. But not sweet ever. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure she's into sweets either. Okay. I'm not positive about that, but I could be totally wrong. Um, anyway, and we just sit around talking and she makes, you know, the nicest community for everyone. I've never seen anyone make people feel more at home. It's so interesting. I feel like I've learned something from this podcast, yes. which is that the tone that you said at a dinner party and the feeling of being at the dinner party yeah. matters more than the food that you serve at the dinner party, which is not to say I, food No, doesn't. I think that's true in some way, yeah. although both mine and hers is great food. Yeah, I'm sure the food <laughs> but is yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. You know, it's, I think you have to, as your doctor, yeah, I think thank you, you yeah. have to. Yeah, you've to, earned the cap yes, at the end of this podcast. I yeah. think you have to learn to um, share more mm-hmm. and be less controlling. Because, by the way, if someone chops the onions wrong, who cares? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And None of it matters. It's a fun thing to talk about. And it is. Yeah. And you can make fun of them for yeah, chopping. We make them. fun of Goldie all the time for okay. not chopping quickly. Richard's a great onion chopper. Uh-huh. He does a lot of that. But, um, you know, I had my friend Brad over, and they um, someone 
delegated without me that he should cut the steaks. Mm -hmm. And I was like, have you ever cut steaks before? And he was like, no. And I was just like, I'm at peace with that. (laughs) So it's about letting go. It's about letting go. And he did. I taught him against the grain and he did a great job. So I need to let go and you need to get a probe thermometer. Exactly. I think we're going to be great. Uh, And you need to come over on a Sunday. I would love to. Well, Denny, thank you so much. I've been reading you for so long. What was that, like 94? And I didn't really believe it. I was like, I can't believe Denny Connor is Until I quoted you one. Oh, you did. Remember I said I talked about your recipe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, um, what's it called? Which one was the it? The Suzanne Cohen. Oh, right, with the plastic. Remember, it was a deep up. pull. Yeah, I, you remember. Yeah. Um, well, like, it's, there's not that many funny cooking things. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Well, thank yeah. you so much for Build coming on. Empire. Yeah, My I pleasure. will. All right, bye bye. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. My name is John Kasich. I'm the former governor of Ohio, former presidential candidate. And I'm Jordan Klepper. I'm a comedian. We have a new podcast together called Kasich and Klepper from ACAST and Treefort Media. Why is Kasich first? Well, first of all, it's alphabetical. K-L. I, you, you, I, I understand. And I ran a whole state once, too, by the way. You ran a mid-sized state, to be clear. <laughs> You know, a lot of people are going to think, oh, well, this is going to be about politics. No, it's not. It's going to be about life. We're going to talk about politics, I'm sure, but we're also going to talk about the things that affect us. And I might ask for a fatherly advice of, like, how do you raise a child who won't become a Republican? (laughs) Welcome to Kasich and Klepper. Listen and subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST recommends.